Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research. This is Radical Research, episode 74. I'm with my co-host, as ever, Hunter Ginn. Hello, Hunter. Good evening, Jeff. We couldn't wait to get to this one. It took us 74 episodes. This is In the Woods. This is the incredible seven or eight-year run of In the Woods. There is a later Reformation run that we won't even touch. Uh, We may or may not address that, uh, but we're here for the first run only. We did an episode... And memories escaping me, 39th, 38th, 37th, something like that, uh, of the In the Woods family tree, where we covered Green Carnation, Still Uproar. Um, what else did we do there? Um, did um, Transit, drawn. Transit, Drawn, and a, one, one more that's escaping me. But but in, in any case, um, I, having done that, I think we knew we were going to get to this eventually. Which, which kind of seems like in step with radical research logic. Yeah, we would do a family tree episode <laughs> before we would do the thing itself. But well, I, I think part of here that, we are. Yeah, here we are. I, I mean, I think part of that we've not been scared of of longer, more involved episodes or anything. But I think for me, there's always been something a little bit um, 
there's there's always been something a bit intimidating about talking about the music or verbalizing anything about the music of something that's so special to you. For instance, I have a very hard time writing on moving pictures by Rush. Awaken the Guardian. I, I just finished a Fate's Warning book. Yes, it'll be out next year, early spring. I only pointed that out because I've been getting asked. <laughs> um, but 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 you know the the hardest part of that book to write was about Awaken the Guardian, my uh, favorite yeah. Fate's record, one of my favorites favorites of all time. So I don't know if you suffer the same thing, but it just I do. Seemed, it just seemed like let's put that off for a while. It's maybe the reason we haven't touched Voivod because you as much voice as we've given or ink or whatever it might be to bands that we love over the years, sometimes you do feel like you shouldn't, you should just let the music do the talking and just sit back and, and let the art be the art for its own sake. No, this is, this is absolutely sort of a Mont Blanc moment for me. California was another one. Oh, Mr. Bungle. Really, really tough for me to, to handle. Yeah. Yeah, because it was hard to articulate the things that I loved about it, and it it wasn't just that, but it was it was a matter of doing it some kind of justice. Sure. Uh, and that and that's how I feel about this band. Um, yeah, can can we do them justice? However, whatever we say tonight is almost immaterial. We'll we'll try we'll try to give some texture to it, try to give some insights, but at the end of the day we are going to play these snippets and the music will justify itself. Yeah. And I hope for people that are already fans, they'll just sit back and enjoy it with us and have fun kind of surveying the catalog. And then for those who aren't, and that's always the most uh, rewarding thing, gratifying thing for us is when we turn somebody on. Um, but you but- know, like for me, the joy was just rediscovering all this stuff. Well, yeah. And, and, uh, and, yeah. and I've listened to these albums you know, a hundred times. And when we were doing the snippets and picking what we were going to play, it it sort of like, like the magic of this music just kind of revealed itself all over to me. For sure. And I, and I think the way we do things sometimes uh, with a lot of our episodes, you know, we're getting, we're doing a kind of like bird's eye view survey where we're kind of wrapping everything up. We don't really listen like that in our, in our music rooms, you know, we're, we're kind right. of throwing on an album, maybe to rarely going through a whole discography in a sitting or in a very short period of time. So it's, so sometimes when we do this, you know, we, we hear something like tell the Dota, which we just heard tell the dead uh, from their 1993 demo uh, Isle of men. When we hear that, and then we, you know, then, then I'm snippeting something like karma cosmic, one of their last recordings you know, you, you start to like the gravity sort of hits you of, of the, what they did in a relatively short period of time. Well, you um, know, when I, when I'm dead, I hope that I hear in the woods. I know. Well, they, yeah. Some of their music is the sound of that. It's uh, it's, it's, it, it's that profound. I, I hope they still tell me something when I'm dead. <laughs> tell the dead. We hear, uh, we hear, a, a, well, let's get this out of the way. This is the first in a series of all Norwegian episodes. We have at least four or five to go before we cover separation or uh, Dave Stewart or whatever else we've been talking about. Have we, have we mentioned that we like Norway? Yeah. yeah, Well, we have, and longtime listeners will understand that this is a, this is the reason for this podcast. It kind of grew out of a fascination for Norway. Once Omicron is, is over, if the Norwegian tourism bureau would 
like to invite us <laughs> to visit, yeah, we would be open to that. So we're, any we're Norwegian right. listeners who could help facilitate that, just put it out there. Yeah, we we don't smoke. This is, this is a, a, a a diplomatic effort. We don't smoke. We're 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 nope. easy. We're easy. We just need a little bit of coffee and orange juice in the morning. Um, we are. I, yeah, we're yeah, we're, you know, both, you know, liberal thinking, non-smoking. Yeah, I now wear deodorant, so I'm a, I'm a good house guest. OK, yeah, um, no, no, no. We yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, <laughs> th- this man, not, not non-invasive guests, non-invasive guests We're we'd love to go to, to we'd love to start in Christian sand where uh, in the woods are from, because I know very little about this town other than uh, in the woods and the associated bands that grew out of in the woods. The only thing um, I know about this town is uh, from Tricky's premillennial tension album. Wow. Christian sands. Oh, interesting. Okay. Is tricky from Norway? no tricky's from uh, no tricky's from Bristol, UK. I was going to say, okay. He has a song called Christian sands. And that's interesting. Literally the first time that I ever heard that. Okay. uh, Okay. 1996. You might be surprised to know, you know, that enslaved stayed with me on the uh, Bloodham era. um, I do. I I know. And, and you know, the the thing that, um, the, the thing that like stays in my mind the most for you telling me about that is uh, Grutla ordering steak and eggs. (laughs) In, in a Texas accent. In a, in a Texas accent. In a New Jersey diner. Yeah, that was great. Steak and eggs, man. But he, uh, when, when they, you know, when they were there, uh, it was Grutla, Ivar, uh, Dirge Rep, and Roy. That was the era. And um, stayed with us for several wonderful days. And um, I was surprised to know that this is, this is like late 90s now. So this is, you know, In the Woods had already put out, I think, their third and what would be their final album, Strange yep. and Stereo. And um, the guys in Enslaved at the time didn't have any idea who in the woods were. Um, and I always assumed. What? Yeah, I always assumed that all the Norwegian bands knew who each other were. But perhaps the Christian Sand scene, as it were, uh, or whatever that amounts to, was just not something that coincided with Enslaved. And if you think about the family tree, there aren't a lot of intersections between in the woods and those bands. And then that's true. The whole bergen oslo clans so so that's kind of interesting i i know that they became aware of in the woods later but you know it was a little surprising to me actually really shocking Uh, not a huge country and if you think about what we just heard on tell the dead from the uh again i i want to mention it's from the isle of men demo 1993 a very significant demo uh in norwegian black metal history but very bursamy but but also telling of the fact that they never go above that tempo. This is true. Yeah. However, however tempted they may be. And we'll hear a bit of that on heart of the ages. The, the full length debut. Yeah. Isle of men. Uh, I remember being at relapse in 94, 95. We still had a few copies of that. And what, from what I understood from the guys at work there in the uh, warehouse, uh in the distribution area that was a massively huge selling demo like it just people people were buying it people were loving this very mysterious band too because in the woods kept their image uh kind of under wraps really didn't have much of an image preferred to just look like a collective out uh sitting around bonfires and that was really about it um never got into the whole corpse paint thing uh but certainly had all the kind of otherworldly 
sinister nature loving vibes that you would you would get off a norwegian black metal demo from 93 you know what i mean it's all it's all there yeah uh somewhat comparable maybe to early Ulver. i hear a little bit early fluidity in there but yeah isle of men uh and and this uh isle of men introduces the what what basically would stay the core of in the woods in terms of the lineup let's go through that before we get to another song from it sure. uh jan kenneth transeth the vocalist we're going to talk in hyperbolic terms about him throughout this episode. No, no question. We already uh, have. We already have. And we, we, we will keep doing so. Um, the Bowdery brothers, Boteri brothers, not sure how you say it, but Christian X and Christopher CM uh, on guitars and bass, respectively. The other guitarist, Advar AM, uh, passed away, sadly, eight years ago in 2013. And drummer Anders Cobro, also pretty incredible musician. All of them collectively forming this just incredible chemistry here within the woods let's let's listen to another song from isle of men like tell the dead it didn't make the full-length album this is creations of an ancient shape things that i love most about that is that permeable line between death and black metal <laughs> you well yeah. yeah you're going where i was gonna go sure yeah and i mean sure. it's like you know all the all these bands grew up on thrash and death metal yeah and you know made a decision a, probably a really conscious decision at some point to you know, become something else but yeah i mean th- this is just you know, redolent of 
early not late 80s early 90s death metal it you know it to me it also evokes any of the early 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 demo work by the peaceville three uh it's got oh yeah that's a great point yeah it's got a death doom quality and you know this band once once they started getting well known you know with the first album and, and certainly the second omnio putting them under the black metal banner seemed a little bit ridiculous and and also putting them under the doom umbrella never really worked although they would often get placed in both categories and i think we hear why in in that certainly the the, the black metal screeching of jan kenneth uh but yeah it's got this the, the, the guitars have a thicker more of a heavy heftier heavy he, yeah heftier heaving quality like of death doom versus you know that that thinner thing that the black metal tone has so it right. um it's 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 really cool view into their their early work and they you know they came out pretty well formed early on for sure well and two you know the a lot of the guitar language of black metal is that that tremolo picking style mm-hmm and they rarely indulged in that. Yeah. I, they, and, they, and when yeah. they did, Cobro reacted in a way that sort of countered that. Yeah. He was never typical in terms no. of his beats, uh, no matter what era we're talking about for in no. the woods. And, you know, and they, as they would, they, they progressed swiftly. Um, as they woulds. As they woods, we're getting in the weeds here within the woods. <laughs> hey, now, hey, hey we, we well, can't see the, we, we can't see the, can't see the forest the for the trees. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh, <laughs> um, we're gonna <laughs> listen to the opening of the first album, Heart of the Ages, uh, 1995, put out as all the records were on the Misanthropy label, fantastic label from England run by a Tiziana Stupia. Uh, Amazing label. I met her once. She actually stayed with me. Her and O'Malley came over when he was living out there working for her. I don't know if I ever told you about that when Tiziana visited us. Yeah, we went to like uh, uh, Brooklyn with her and she visited one of the cemeteries in Brooklyn. She was a big cemetery wanderer, as you know, many of us are. You and I have had. We have. We have. What's the the name of that, that famous cemetery by you? Bonaventure. Bonaventure. Man. Yeah. What a. And any, any, any legions uh, looking to visit Savannah, that should be on your list. Bonaventure oh, Cemetery. No doubt. No doubt. The Oak Moss makes it for sure. It does. <laughs> uh, anyway, getting back to Heart of the Ages, 1995 on Misanthropy. This um, yearning the seeds of a new dimension immediately signaled, you know, something uh, not more streamlined, but certainly more sophisticated. It still has one foot in the whole black metal aesthetic. You know, I, 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 I hesitate to call this intro iconic because they're a pretty underground band. But anyone that is invested in this scene, once you hear the opening synth notes to this. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You're in yeah. it. Yes. I, I, I want to mention something about that, too. It's, it's such a powerful beginning, and it is uh, something of originality. However, I've, I've always heard, and I hope I get this right, because I'm just kind of going off the top of my head, but it reminds me of the 2001 Space Odyssey movie soundtrack, where they use Strauss's also Sprock Zarathustra. They um, use a, several things, too. There's a, uh, they use a Requiem by Ligeti. 
or well, yeah, yeah, say they, but yeah. Well, there's a yeah, lot of yeah, great. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of great music in that in that great movie. But I'm saying that this all this beginning uh, of yearning the seeds always reminded me of that Strauss piece, in terms of the drama and its tone. It's kind of foreboding, kind of ominous, but totally. also triumphant sort of beginning, cosmic yeah. as well. Anyway, enough talk. Let's listen to this bit from the very first in the woods album. them a little bit i mean that's just a snippet it's obviously a beautiful beginning uh to the song and album but you know 12 and a half minutes 12 and a half minutes yeah Yeah. 
so again we're just we're just glancing right now flying over the woods so to speak let's continue let's listen to the song called in the woods So lots to talk about with those two tracks there. We kind of hear Jan Kenneth transitioning uh, between vocal approaches. He's really peaking with his screeches. Spoiler alert, this is the last time we're going to hear so much of them. And they're just done so well. I mean, they're really sure. some, of the, some of the best ever in the genre. And then he's just testing out that cleaner, more booming voice that certainly would become quite a bit better on the next album here it, it's it's in its infancy and you can kind of hear it it's not bad it, no it's, but i mean it's you know it's the difference between you know morning rise and still life exactly and also just we can hear really inventive use of guitar interplay 
that that they yes. had uh, between the the one Bowdery brother and Odvar, and it's just, it's just it's just a signature of their one of the signatures of their sound is that sort of overlapping thing that they would do uh, where one guitar is complementing the other. It seemed really thought out, seemed really well considered. I, I just love this about this band. Very, it's almost a, got an orchestrated feel to it. Absolutely. No, no, that's precisely what it is. And also, again, not to belabor the point, but Cobro's upending of expectations mm-hmm. when they go into a really, really aggressive tremolo thing, you expect him to blast and yet he doesn't. Yeah, you're right. It's funny because even in their black metal era and even being from Norway, they never really put the gas pedal to the floor. Yeah. Um, not like not like most others would have done at some point. No, nope. um, they just yeah. cruise. They just cruise. Cruise control. They, they drive. They do drive 55. <laughs> oh, man. Here I was thinking of Olver's famous picture uh, around the car and you go. Well, with and, and, and you go with Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar. Yeah. Well, yeah. What the hell? Yeah. You are a Georgia boy. As one must. <laughs> As one mustn't. <laughs> we mustn't ever discuss Hagar on this program. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. Um, enough shenanigans. When did you get into Heart of the Ages? Or was it? Was no, it, it was. No, no. So, you know, this. Okay. So, interestingly enough, you are the reason that I got into In the Woods at all. Um, because of your fanfare in Maniacs about Omnio. Ah, okay. I completely missed Heart of the Ages. All right. Um, and uh, Tim and I, you know, Tim, Tim didn't receive it as well as I did, as as you know. Omnio. Yes. Right. We 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 shan't discuss that any further. Okay. Because I just don't understand it. <laughs> well, I don't either. <laughs> But I, I, I did. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that, that is the beginning of my journey with this band. And, and so, yeah, like, yeah. so I, so I got Omnio and loved it, went back, got Heart of the Ages and then, you know, just kind of kept up. Yeah. I remember you, you told me a great story about you getting Omnio and taking bike rides yeah let's talk about that when we get to omnio because that's a okay, very right. significant memory and a, and a bonding i had with that album really yeah but yeah no heart of the ages i got into it uh when i was at relapse and uh again just kind of based on the the, the groundswell that isle of men had caused i was like well i'll check it out um there was another guy there uh, who was well into this stuff and who was that uh andy hosner he was he was yeah, buying, yeah, yeah. he was buying yeah, a lot yeah. of the black metal. He was in the retail uh, okay. department. I know him, and um, he's really 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 into the art scene now. Lives in L.A. But uh, anyhow, at the time, he was he was one of the few there that really into black metal. And he and I would check out things, and as soon as they came out, and this was one of them where it just latched onto this in the way that we did Bergtot by Over, where I, I just think the the, the more nature oriented ethereal kind of thing you know was was just so magnetic so attractive was was you know, for me i mean you know you just slap a, a picture of woods on the cover and we're kind of like immediately yeah. interested and we would go yeah. out to this place this overlook outside of lancaster that was just gorgeous and it kind of looked like the cover of enslaves frost you know it wasn't that ma- majestic but it was pretty close 
and we would be cranking this stuff and, you know, probably, probably quite high after work. And I just remember this, this album just hitting so hard and like me at the time, like committing to never listening to it uh, unless I was in the woods, you know, like it just, it's sort of like they were so well-named. They just looked like they sounded and sounded like they looked and uh, everything was so genuine and, and powerful. And um yeah. And, uh, you know, you picked uh, the snippets from this album and I'm glad you picked Wokden's Return. Uh, we're going to listen to that one next uh, because that's another one that's. Uh, that, yeah, that seemed like a, a had a great, great power. Natural choice. And still does. Yeah. So uh, here we are. Heart of the Ages. Wotan's Return.
Yeah, amidst the bluster, there's that just really memorable melody uh, near the end of that snippet that um, it just evokes that era of In the Woods for me, probably more than any other melody on that album. For me, yeah. yeah, for me, this track sort of encapsulates everything that I love about this era of black metal. Um, the melancholy, the desperation, but the sublime wonder, the beauty, all that. Yeah. And it, and it, and it, it you know, it, it holds these, these contrasts in perfect equilibrium. And, and, and that's what I love so much about this era of black metal is, is the way that it, it sustains, you know, these things that seem to be at odds with each other. And it somehow synthesizes them. This is way high up there on our list of uh, Norwegian albums, I suppose. Oh, yeah. For but, sure. then again, but then again, I, it's, it, it, I don't know that I can say I like a Norwegian band, black metal, post black metal or otherwise, any more than I love In the Woods. I mean, I really let's just let's just get down to it. This is a band I can <laughs> probably comfortably say if I had to choose might be my favorite Norwegian band of all. Damn. I don't know. But but but. I, I well, I, I, I wouldn't say otherwise. I just am not ready to commit to that yet. Nobody needs to commit to that ever. It's like I, I like you, but she got a fine ass too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Way to keep it classy, again. <laughs> yes, I know what you're saying. Mayhem also does have a nice ass, but. Um... <laughs> Jeez. anyway um now if i seriously if, if it was a, if it was a matter of life and death and i had to choose this is probably the discography i'd take uh I, just because of, of all the other great things so many over is is a huge one mayhem's a huge one i i just there's not, there's not a discography i can say i like more yeah that's all i'm saying just okay. these each of these three albums and some of the extras just have such a grip on me it, it's 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 insane and and you know if omnia weren't in the picture it would probably be a different story as much as i love everything else but omnio is so special it's like it's like the the norwegian dark side of the moon for me and um, <laughs> i mean it kind of is actually though well yeah I sh- we should mention that they added uh since soprano is that her name um yeah on heart of the ages we didn't really play uh, anything that she was on sin larson is her real name but uh she was added for heart of the ages and would uh sing some stuff with Jan kenneth going forward until the end but they took all of that and then they went and did omnio and omnio is such a sophisticated step it's such a well-rounded beautifully recorded expertly played and written albums it, it's just from a to z it's one of these uh it, it's it's one of the rare perfect albums for me I, I don't think there's anything i could take away from it or add to make it better it's just one of those um the imagery is beautiful it is a move away from black metal but you can tell that the root is still there and you were talking about my bike rides well I I just moved to New York. I just got my own place. I was there maybe two, three months and I got a promo of this um, before it had come out and I was anticipating it pretty highly based on heart of the ages. And I just immediately fell in love, like completely. It was, and and it was at a time in my life where 
I'm riding this wave of like, wow, what the hell am I doing in New York editing Metal Maniacs? It's just this opportunity and this like thing that I was able to do was um, kind of unbelievable to me. I was still kind of pinching myself, I guess. I, I hadn't gotten used to it yet. It was all pretty magical and different. And um, so this album kind of came in right at that time, along with uh, Borknagar's Old Domain. Those are two that I distinctly remember. Um, <laughs> but I would, I, would take, I would take bike rides um, after work and have these in my head and i think i used to listen while i was riding i can't, i would never do that now but i used to do it and i would cross the bridge from queens over to roosevelt island and as as i was doing so you know the manhattan skyline was in my view and it was just so epic it just felt so huge and there was yeah. this this music yeah. of omnio rattling through my head all the time so I have that bond with it. And it's one of those things that I, it, it's very much living in Queens album for me. So I was obviously not, not committed to listening only in the woods uh, to in the woods anymore, but. <laughs> but I mean, you know, <laughs> like I, it, and I, I say this for myself. I mean, you've actually lived there, but I, I have some ties to New York through a previous relationship. Yeah. Um, but every time that I'm in New York, it feels completely sublime. It's, yeah. it's, it's like urban woods. Yeah. And so I can only imagine what it was like to listen to this and, and look at that skyline. And I mean, it's just, it, it is. Yeah. A, and being, I, I would, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll admit I was one of the prime moments of my life. No question. Sure. Uh, yeah, so sure. I think it all, you know, it's just one of the, I'm just saying that, you know, it, I think it's wonderful how we all have those experiences or those moments in life where an album just becomes intertwined with that moment in life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, that uh, that that magical essence of New York really wore off pretty quickly for me. <laughs> uh, but but but, you know, I, I still appreciate that time. I still like to visit. But God, you know, I can't wait to leave either. Uh, whereas Omnio. Omnio continues to resonate. You know what I mean? Like I go through yep. all my changes in life. I'm, I'm now 52, yep. still absolutely magic. Um, so instead yep. of talking about it, let's listen. This is, um, let's listen to it. This is a bit, this is, this is hard. This is like yearning the seeds of a new dimension where it's the opener. It's a long opener. I think it's also, is it also like 12 minutes? It's, yeah, it's definitely over 10. Uh, it's almost 15. And, um, oh, okay. Uh, this song is called 299,796 kilometers per second, which is the speed of light. And it's beautiful.
Uh, a few things I want to say. I'm not sure which one to go with first, so I'll just go with Cobro. <laughs> Cobro, uh, I, I, I would not hesitate to say that that song would not be half as good without him pushing that riffing in so many different colorful directions uh, in a very subtle way. I would urge listeners to just back up and listen to that snippet again and just focus on, on the drummer. I mean, he's fantastic. I'd love to get your thoughts on him in that song. Uh, well, yeah. And he, he varies it in a very unexpected way because he you know, downshifts the tempo when you would not expect him to do that. Yeah. Um, there was, there was no real call for it, but he does it. But also the, the way that he uses the fills, Tasty. Um, as a way to propel the momentum yeah yeah absolutely yeah he's uh he, he's it's a, it's, a, it's a very lyrical style of drumming well, i was just gonna say yeah he's got a, a almost poetic flow to how right. he how he approaches the drums especially all over this album i of the many 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 things that i love about this album he was always one of the standouts uh my ear constantly goes to him and just marvels at the shape he's able to give this stuff because it's already pretty well orchestrated guitar wise obviously the, the vocals are really great um, magisterial yeah and, and the, the extra instrumentation is there like it's it's just fantastic but he's he's the only drummer that could really uh have made omnio what it was because i think he understood the band prior to this and now you know uh, locked in as hell with everybody else but, you know? right but it, you know it's not only like the kind of poetic nuance that he gives it but also the confidence of his playing. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, he plays with a certain force too. He sounds like he should have been like a veteran of, you know, 20 years or something. You know what I mean? Like he almost sounds like a studio guy uh, in the like, sense of like experience, you know, like Charlie D'Angelo, but like in good bands. <laughs> sure. Also, we hear a string quartet there. This, this uh, was something they used on this song on speed of light and on the song Omnio, uh, which is a, a very extended piece uh, that ends the album. But um, yeah, one viola, two violins, and a cello. So they were really ambitious as hell. But the string writing itself, and the orchestration is just beautiful. Yeah. You know, it's appropriate. It's yeah, appropriate. It's for appropriate. What, yeah, for what they're doing. I, I wonder when the point was where they were like, you know, we've gotten to the we've gotten to the point here with the music, with the with the writing that we need this. Um, yeah. And, you know, these it's two the, yeah. epic, epic songs, book, that, book and the yeah, album. Celtic Frost inflection point. Sure. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, well, I, I know for sure that that was a huge influence on this band. Uh, probably not a surprise, but and, and, and as we've said, I think into the pandemonium, it particularly was an influence on shitloads of these Norwegian bands that we love so much. We're going to not play anything from I Am Your Flesh, but the reason I want to mention that is just because it is a standout uh, on the album, probably one of the best written in the Woods tracks, but we couldn't get to them all. We're going to jump to uh, this just absolutely gorgeous thing called Weeping Willow.
I'm glad that you mentioned the Peaceville three earlier, because I feel like this track evidences a band that is evolving along the same lines, but winding up in a different place. I hear that. Yeah, I hear that. Although yeah, I think like the, the, the same kind of impulses that drove the Peaceville three bands to, you know, to, to their ultimate destinies are the same kind of impulses that have driven in the woods, you know, to, to this place. For sure. I think if, if we're going to talk about the Peaceville three in the woods did take a similar route to anathema perhaps by, by implementing non-metal influences earlier and, and, and in a more steady way where it wasn't just like one album that was kind of, you know, like the 34.788 album by right. my dying bride. Uh, that was kind of an anomaly. Uh, Paradise Lost really streamlined and went gothic, basically. Depeche Mode on a couple albums, but but essentially, I feel I, I feel more of a kinship aesthetically to some anathema here sure. uh, in, in listening to Weeping Willow, anyway. Well, and it, especially in the guitar work. Yeah. Speaking of guitar work, by the way, and we'll, we'll get back to that, but I want to mention uh, Bjorn Harstad, who came in as a third guitarist uh, in this era and effectively kind of came and went uh, in and out of in the woods. He played on some of their final shows when they when they did kind of the final bit of touring they were going to do, knowing that they were breaking up. Um, so he's 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 notable. But yeah, go ahead about the guitars. I think you I think we hear something really special happening. In Weeping Willow. Yeah, no, just a, a certain lyricism. And, you know, it, 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 and you already touched on this. It's the way that, you know, the guitarists separate and complement each other. It's just a very sophisticated way of looking at harmony within the context of metal. Yeah. In, in a way that very few metal bands do it. Yeah. And there are a lot of metal bands that take influence from Pink Floyd and In the Woods is one of them. But I think that they used their influence in a much craftier way, or maybe sure. I'm not even going to say an obvious way because they took it into their own. But certainly it's, it's almost like having a band of two or three David Gilmore's who are sort of complementary to one another playing uh, because that that's the that's the general tone uh, or, or approach that sort of loping saying a lot with just a few notes. Right. But you can also hear that they have a traditional metal background, too. I know from um, the one interview I did with Jan, the singer, some of these guys were really turned on by earlier traditional metal stuff, Man of War, Priest, whatever it was. They got a lot of things in their pocket, in their back pocket, you know what I mean, that they'd like to pull out. And I think we hear Weeping Willow is a really good example of, you know, the synthesis of like a Gilmore-esque approach, a Floydish approach, which with some of that more grandiose or glorious heavy metal styling. And then of course the black metal background as well. Yeah. The yeah. sort of mournful quality of, you know, sure. the black metal background is always sort of underscoring, you know, all that, that the majesty of that, you know, Gilmore influence. Yeah. Um, right. It's it's weird. I, I always look at Omnio and, and feel like this is one of those albums that, yes, it's metal. It, yes, they are at heart a metal band. Uh, but this is just so something else. This is so far out of that in some ways. It, it, I'm not they're not denying their heritage. It's sure. just it's just something so much more. And uh, I doubt that a lot of people who generally would say they dislike metal have ever latched onto this album but um i feel like a lot of people could 
it's just too bad that it kind of sits in its obscurity. It's like judgment. There you go. Yeah. Uh, by anathema. Yeah. Uh, really good call. We get to the end of the album and it's uh, a three-parter called Omnio with a question mark. We have the pre section, which is 12 minutes, the Bardo section, which is six minutes and the post section, which is eight minutes. This is a total of uh, uh, what does that make it? 20, uh, 20, 26 minute song. So ambitious. Hell yeah. <laughs> and we're going to play a bit from the Bardo piece in the middle, which is one of the most psychedelic hallucinatory moments that they ever did. And it also shows their interest in flat out experimentation, basically, uh, which they yep. would tackle on the next album and on some, uh, some standalone recordings after this as well. This is uh, a bit from the Bardo moment in Omnio. Pompeii. We did go full on Pompeii. Yeah. Again, good call. That's yeah. That's like that. Uh, some of that slide guitar stuff that Gilmore was doing uh, totally in the, in the wonderful Pompeii. If you like panning in the stereo field, this is the song for you. Cause that is just headphones. Candy just goes right. Sizzles right between the left and right ear and back and forth and back and forth and uh, oh. all over the place. It's they probably had a lot of fun making that one in the studio. I'm sure um, they did. But yeah, it's Magic. called Bardo. Bardo is interesting because uh, since reading Bardo methodology, I, I really didn't know what Bardo was. Um, but it, in some schools of Buddhism, 
Bardo is uh, an intermediate or transitional or liminal state between death and rebirth. It's not exactly purgatory. It's a fascinating concept that I, that I think anybody interested in it should, should look it up. It's better than purgatory. Yeah. It's, it's more, you, you, you (laughs) ideally learn more in the Bardo state. Yeah. and it's a fascinating concept. Anyway, I wanted to mention it because it's the first time I came across the word and I didn't really know what it meant all these years of listening to Omnio. And then, you know, thanks to Bardo methodology, I, I finally schooled myself and um, I've, I've read a bit about it. I, I think you should too, if you uh, haven't checked it out out there in, in listener land. Also in this, in, in this era or in, just around this time, it, while they were sure. doing the albums, they had this series of three different seven inches that came out over the course of like, what was it? Four or five years. It started with white rabbit in 1996, uh, obviously a cover of the Jefferson airplane song. And they would always, you know, pair these seven inches with an original. And that one was paired with mourning the death of Asa, which we're not going to listen to, but which they recorded a couple different times. The next one was in 98, Let There Be More Light. That's a Pink Floyd cover and a song called Child of Universal Tongue on the B-side. We're going to go out of this episode with uh, one of the versions of that song that they recorded. And the third one came out in 2000, the third seven inch. And uh, it's Epitaph, a cover of King Crimson's song and uh, uh, an original. Pretty much one of the greatest covers of all time yeah we're going to listen to it later as we will the b-side karma cosmic but i i I love this series of seven inches and i was you know buying them up as soon as they came out and uh i you know at the time it was fairly novel to cover these psychedelic or progressive bands i love that they just put their necks out there and and did it and put these things on the a-side and committed singles to them it was a wonderful thing so were you were were you aware of them doing that when it was happening no, I was not. Oh, really? Was it the no. three times seven on a pilgrimage yep. release that? Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, I was, I was, I was not aware, sadly. Yeah. You know, they weren't released with a ton of fanfare. But I mean, just... the, the sad thing is, is that I knew of them while they were doing this. I just yeah missed the boat on that. Yeah. Well, like I said, they have limited editions and just, it just kind of, they came and went. And I mean, really late nineties vinyl, it was even in this world. Uh, even as a seven inch, it was kind of unusual and, you, you know, wasn't sure. a lot of, you know, publicity behind it, quite obviously. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, I thought I'd mention that. I think that's a fascinating little side road that they took while focusing on the full lengths. We have to jump to Strange and Stereo next. It's 1999. This configuration that recorded Omnio comes out with Strange and Stereo. Another guitarist joins them for this album, along with Botary and Odvar. Uh, his name is Christer Andre Cedarberg. We covered him on the In the Woods Family Tree with his band Still Uproar. He's also been in Drawn, of course, and has been seen in Anathema as well. Interesting little intersection there. The core of In the Woods plus him come out with Strange and Stereo. I would love to hear what you thought of Strange and Stereo when you first laid ears on it. I was definitely intrigued. But a little bit, it took a while. This one wasn't as instant as Omnio at all. It, it, it did not for me. Okay. This was like the fancy rock in the woods that I was looking for. <laughs> okay. I, I would say that Omnio took me more time than this one. Okay. Th- this yeah. one hooked me almost immediately. It's a more digestible listen, really. Like, you know, in terms of scope, I guess, it's dedicated to songs in a way that the other two weren't 
it's um, yeah i mean the songs are I, I guess if we average them out certainly shorter there's nothing over what nine minutes it, but i mean most of the songs are much shorter than that yes true and and more and, modern. They're, and they're more distinctive um, yeah, this, this thing had pieces. a modern feel this this album had a modern feel to it that that i was frankly really surprised by um, and i was like totally it, it was a, it was a for me it was a right place right time album oh sure it still is in the woods and i i grew pretty quickly to love it uh sure. and i and i think it's every bit the equal uh in terms of just looking at a trilogy of albums uh by a band this one is very very strong um, and it was your third favorite album 1999 right uh if, if i, I recall that the then, year in, if i, if I recall that... the year in playlist <laughs> so it'd You're... be judgment oh um, yep. still life yep yep and then this I can still live with that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that would that would probably change. But yeah, I love this. It opens with a song called "Closing In," which I found completely fascinating uh, when I listened to this album the first time. Yep. It was after that that I came to grips with certain things. And "Closing In" is funny because it's probably the most unusual song on the album in terms of having almost no relation to previous in the woods. It, it's a rock song. It's a well placed song because it's a perfect opener for this album. Yep.
We're going to go to the third song on Strange and Stereo. This is a Vanish in the Absence of Virtue. about you know in the woods modernizing their sound and streamlining you know a lot of the dna is still present you know that that melancholy guitar interplay um cobro's you know very very confident drumming the way that he the way that he shapes music it's all still there it's still there yeah absolutely it's just growth it's maturity it's right yeah. Uh, and it's absorbing new and, and I, I would imagine some contemporary influences sure. uh, still very much in the woods. Absolutely. I, you know, I love that, that this band retained a prime core, you know, throughout. Yeah, but their one, of, one of the things evolution. that I love most about this band is like their most austere moments and how they could have a passage. It's just, you know, a guitar with delay on it. Just <laughs> right. one guitar. And, and it's so moving. Yeah. It speaks volumes. So absolutely. I, I hear you. There, there are numerous moments like that in their catalog. The next song we're going to listen to has a moment, uh, a lyrical moment that I find to be kind of up there. I know this is going to sound kind of crazy to some people, but kind of up there with Fate's Warnings Guardian in terms of mysticism, 
emotion, melancholy, sadness, but also this kind of glint of hope. Um, wonder. Wonder. Wonder is a great word. Surely if I'm the, there's somebody out there that's got to understand what I'm saying. Uh, beyond you. I know, I know you understand. I was about to say you're, <laughs> you're on the line with him, brother. I know, I know, but <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a moment that it has a similar effect on me, I guess, emotionally when I listen to it as guardian, this is a song called generally more worried than married. I just don't know what else I can say. This is another one that I, I for me escapes really much description. Yeah, it's that line early in the snippet. She lives in the attic, a floor in between my room and the comets. 
uh, that I find just poetic and beautiful. I just, and the, the delivery of it, of course, and later on that part, uh, you know, it takes a while to get these things in perspective. I'm not even sure if I know what the song means, but it that's, doesn't really concern me. It's, it's the emotion that it draws forth yeah, and exactly. um, the way it's sung. And I mean, again, thank you, Jan Kenneth for that. It, he's, He's incredible. Uh, he's he's breathtaking. He's he's stunning at times, and um, I think this is this, oh um the song is one of the one of his finest Nervair. moments. What's that? Nervair. Oh, that was the other one. We that was our other in, one in the in the family tree. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, Jan Kenneth was in Nervair, uh, a, a very low key, meditative sort of project. Uh, yeah, but that we, but I we have also to say, recommend. Yeah. Yeah, Bob Dylan not the fucking king no bob dylan is not the fucking king fuck bob dylan <laughs> anyway but moving moving on thank quickly. you bob dylan for all the all the great cover songs that, that people yeah have well I mean, there, you know, there is that you. manfred man and yeah nazareth yeah <laughs> yeah there there are many others we're going to move to a song called titan transcendence i want to play this back to back with something that they recorded shortly after strange and stereo probably one of the first things they recorded after this album just kind of independently it wound up on that collection three times seven we're going to pair it with a thing called soundtracks for psychos uh, i think it's like a considered like a part one or something i don't know where soundtracks for psychos edition two comes out but uh it doesn't as far as i know but that's an interesting little bit of just psychedelic weirdness and experimentation. And I, I just think it's a nice contrast to them kind of winding down their career because they, they don't sure. do too much after this.
So what we heard here was an evolution from the last proper album of their first run into one of their many segues. It's soundtracks for psychos. And this is keeping in line with many of the Norwegian bands enthusiasm for electronic music. Oh yeah. This is sort of an Aphex twin esque detour, but also completely sympathetic with the spirit of in the woods and where they were at this time in their evolution. Um, and, and completely in line with bands like third and the mortal mm-hmm. and uh, dot Humsgard had gone pretty electronic Oliver, Oliver, of course. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. Mon- Monus would be there soon. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 compelling to think what would have happened on a fourth album had they stayed together with this lineup uh, or the same core and introduced some things similar to what we hear in soundtracks for cycles, you know, maybe, you know, not a full album of that sort of stuff, but certainly I bet we would have heard a lot more of that layer to things, which oh, I would love to have that album, but alas, we don't. I would too. And, and I feel like they, and so it, it, I think your use of the word layer is particularly telling here because a lot of the Norwegian bands moved laterally and they would just change completely. Yeah. In the woods sort of stack these things vertically, these new ideas. True. Like, and, uh, and I feel like if we had gotten that fourth album with those electronic influences, it would have been that, you know, melancholy, dual guitar metal, prog, electronic, all those things were stacked on top of each other. Yeah. Yeah. I want it. I want, I, we, well, you know, we keep talking. All right. So we need some donations for the time machine, people. <laughs> okay. We need it. So <laughs> we're, we're going to Paris 1970 first. Right. We, we've settled on that. Right, we right. We've got some other stops, but we need this too. Yeah, so that we can go back and convince them to stay stay together for another Look, album. Got, guys, you got a good thing going here, okay? <laughs> We're from the future. We know. Look, tr- trust us. There's these things called podcasts, and we do <laughs> them. And We're, We're one Americans of- from the future with a podcast. Just, hey, just yeah, hang in there with us, okay? oh yeah all right that'd be great and uh, we could use donations for hosting costs as well but if if, you know if you've got if you've got the means to help with the time machine uh, that'll take a a considerable more uh you know financial heft on your part but we will we'll accept it uh we'll we'll give you information at the end of this episode on how to also i i would be happy to counsel anybody on potential financing options for such a venture you have some experience in this world these last few years don't you (laughs) just yeah hit us up Radical financing. Radical financing. We're going to jump to essentially the last recorded evidence of In the Woods, the seven inch that came out. Uh, This is the time where prophecy kind of came in because I don't think there was misanthropy anymore by uh, the year 2000 or 2001. It's uh, I think it went tits up, as they say in England. Um, As they say. But prophecy came in and released the epitaph seven inch. 
And they also released, I think the next year, the year after that, the, uh, the three times seven on a pilgrimage compilation, which is very much worth your time. I guess that came out in 2000 as well, didn't it? So the great prophecy label. Was, yeah. Yeah. That was 2000. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's no, it's no wonder this band landed on misanthropy and prophecy. That seems <laughs> completely fitting, yeah. completely yeah. fitting. So we're going to listen to their cover of King Crimson's epitaph here and the B side karma cosmic. Now karma cosmic is one of two of the last songs that they did. The other one being empty room. You can find that on the uh, three times seven compilation, uh, lots of other goodies on that thing too, but that's uh karma cosmic, I guess, I guess we do have a view into that fourth album. And while, mm-hmm. while it's, great because karma cosmic is one of my favorite in the wood songs empty room is also really great we're not really hearing i guess the electronics come in full force the way we thought no. maybe they would be but again we can change that with the time machine but let's get into uh epitaph and then uh karma cosmic <laughs>
I have to say about karma cosmic that um, texturally, aesthetically, lyrically, even it, it parallels generally more worried than married for me. Absolutely. Um, you can hear it in his vocal passion. Jan Kenneth again. Thank you. Uh, I think he's just magnificent on that song, but, but these lyrics, these remind of the ones that I quoted from uh, mm -hmm. more worried than married a chair in her room was a tower from where she was watching. Very similar. <laughs> So I wonder yeah. if there's a link there. I wonder if there's a story there. And I, I think that perhaps Don Kennett may be the preeminent interpreter of early King Crimson. Yeah. If, if I wanted to hear anyone sing, you know, the first four King Crimson albums, um, I, I, know, I know you would hate to not hear haskell <laughs> yeah right but <laughs> any anyone else i feel i feel that jan might be our man well this is another time machine moment i could go back in yep. time uh kill gordon haskell kill gordon haskell go go forward yes. in time grab jan kenneth take him back <laughs> with me uh because i don't want him implicated in this murder um well, i mean naturally. get him to sing on lizard and man we're, then we're good well i look you know, I, I don't have your the same issues that you do with Haskell. <laughs> Having said that, I would much rather hear Jan sing on that album. Yeah, yeah. Well, dude, Lizard would be badass with Jan. Yeah, All right, he folks, let us um, <laughs> let us just reemphasize the importance of your donations here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because we're getting really close to time. I don't, I don't know if I'm if I'm like jerry lewis or if i'm uh uh was the baker guy 
Huh? T- Timmy Faye's husband. What's oh, that guy's name? The uh, televangelist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim Baker. Jim yeah. Baker. Okay, what? Yeah, Jerry or Jim? I don't know. Jim. But look, the the urgency is all the same. <laughs> we we need you to open your pockets and pour out your love so that we could kill Gordon Haskell, bring Yon <laughs> Kennett back to 1972, and re-record Lizard. <laughs> And I've gotten elves in my basement right now working on the time machine. Okay. They've been working around the clock for seven years and we're getting close. So, so people, the time is now, the time is now. Uh, If you want to be a a selfish prick and um, see great bands and shows that you missed because you (laughs) you weren't born yet. Uh, (laughs) Anywho. Yeah. uh, The cover of epitaph is wonderful. Um, It's uh, of the three you know, se- single covers that they did, the seven inch covers. Uh, it's probably my favorite of the three. I think, oh, it's, I think it's stunning. I think they bring out all the emotion. They don't really toy with it that much, but I don't think they need to. I think what happens with it is you realize how close some in the woods stuff is to that early era of Crimson. Well, and yeah. And that I mean, early era of Prague in general, you know, totally. And it, 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 you know, it's a, it's one of our favorite songs. Um, yeah, true. It, yeah. But it, you know, they, and they don't toy with it that much. But they still manage with how little they manipulate it to kind of infuse it with their own personality, too. Oh, completely. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, and Cobro has something to do with that as well. Good old Cobro. You know, um, comes yep. again. Yep. 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 Well, thank you in the woods. We, we miss them. We miss them in the configuration that they were in, but uh, it was time for them to leave. Jan Kenneth uh, got tired of music in general and went on a on a sojourn later on recorded a um, album of his own. And uh, as, as for the rest, as for the, the future dabblings of the other guys, uh, we'll, we'll leave that to you. Although it is notable that Cobro ended up in Carpathian forest of all, of all bands. Well, and, and killed it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's that He's was... amazing in that band. We could really use your support, not just for the time machine, but for monthly Zoom costs and annual hosting fees. So if you can, go to RadicalResearch.org and buy something from our store or simply donate via PayPal using the PayPal ID, RadicalResearchPodcast at gmail.com. We have links in the show notes. And please also write us at RadicalResearchPodcast at gmail.com. It's the only way to contact us. Please do not reach out via Facebook Messenger. But please do, of course, visit or, or Instagram or Instagram. But please visit yeah, our Facebook re- page. Rarely, yeah, rarely check that. So yeah, we're we're just we 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 got we got other things to do. We're not we don't, we don't you know that's not our version of DM. We we we, we like no. we like the other DM. But please visit the Facebook page, the Instagram page, or whatever they call it, whatever you kids are calling the Instagram page. Uh, and no, we don't have a TikTok account. Fuck that. Now, without further ado more in the woods we're going to leave you guessing about episode 75 uh but it'll certainly find us remaining in norway we're gonna be we're, yeah we're we're yeah we're gonna pitch here, for a, while. For, we'll a while. here for a while yeah, yeah 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 here's one of three recordings in the woods did of a song called and all this child of universal tongue it was first recorded for a really early 1993 rehearsal tape third version was a recording in 1998 and uh was the b-side of the let there be more light seven inch and here is the slice from the 1996 recording be well freaks <laughs>